The following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. It was preached on Sunday, December 8th, 2019, on the basis of Isaiah 11, verses 1 through 10. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. So we are eight days into the month right now. How has your December been? Would you say that it has been busy? Would you say that it is going to get or continue to be busy? And if so, does that come as any surprise to you? Last week we talked about how presents are a very predictable part of our Christmas celebration each year. I think just as predictable a part of each and every December is the busyness. And it makes sense when you think about it, right? During the month of December, we don't stop everything that we are normally doing. But then in addition to that, just for fun, it seems we we pile on a whole bunch more, right? The shopping and the wrapping, the cooking, the cleaning, the decorating, the parties, the family gatherings. December sure is a busy month. And I I think for the most part, we're okay with that, provided that one thing is true, provided that all of that busyness eventually pays off. For example, if we get to see our children's faces just light up when they open that present that we spent so much time looking for, if making that difficult year-end deadline leads to a hefty year-end bonus, if all of that work that we do preparing our house for hosting the family gathering leads to an experience that people remember for years to come, we're perfectly happy doing all of that work as long as we eventually get the reward. And if that's the case, then maybe picturing a Christmas that is unpredictable isn't at all appealing to us. We might be tempted to think that an unpredictable Christmas is one where we do all of that work but don't get the reward, where nothing turns out how we want it to, where the kids don't like the presents that we bought them and the boss doesn't appreciate the extra hours we've put in and we host the family gathering on Christmas Day but our mother-in-law criticizes every last thing that we've done. We do all of that labor but we don't eventually get to enjoy the fruit of our labors. If that were the case, if that were to happen, then maybe picturing an unpredictable Christmas where everything went wrong would be about the last thing that we would want to do. And yet during this month of December, we are talking about the fact that an unpredictable Christmas is exactly the kind of Christmas that God wants to give us. He wants to give us a Christmas where nothing goes the way we would expect it to go, where it is full of surprises, but not at all in a bad way, in a good way, in fact, in the best of ways. As much as we might dread doing all kinds of work and not ever having a chance to enjoy the reward, what if it could possibly be the other way around? What if we could enjoy all of the rewards without having to do any of the work? That's exactly what God offers us in these words from the prophet Isaiah this morning. And of course, the rewards, the benefit, the fruit that God is offering us is not just presents that are appreciated, or a party that goes off without a hitch. The the gifts that God offers us are far greater and far more important, and he wants us to know, maybe more than anything else, that those gifts require no work. As we look at these words from the prophet Isaiah this morning, we see this unpredictably great news that God tells us to enjoy all of the fruit without any of the labor. 
Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Sounds pretty easy. And in a certain sense, it certainly is. But in another sense, it's also very difficult and, as we'll see, very painful. This wonderfully good news has as its foundation a sort of an unpleasant message, a message that we, by nature, don't want to hear. And as I've sort of alluded to already, this message uses a, a metaphor. It uses the metaphor of a tree and its fruit. You maybe know that trees are pretty busy things. I know you, you look at them outside and they don't seem to be doing much, but there's a lot going on there beneath the surface. There's all the, the xylem that are taking the water from the roots up to the ends of every branch. There's the phloem that are bringing the nutrients from the ends of the branches all the way down to the roots. In each and every leaf, there's all the different chloroplasts that are carrying out that very complicated process called photosynthesis. And if you don't remember any of that from high school biology class, don't worry, I had to look it all up too. (laughs) But trees are very, very busy things. There's a lot going on, and all of it, of course, serves one purpose. All of it is to produce Fruit, in fact, if there isn't any fruit, something is seriously wrong, right? An apple tree that doesn't actually produce any apples has a problem. In fact, given enough time, if that apple tree weren't to produce fruit at all, we would eventually chop it down. That's sort of the the metaphor that Isaiah is dealing with as he delivers this message. And the tree that is in question specifically is actually the family tree of a man by the name of Jesse. In the Bible, Jesse is best known for one of his sons, Israel's best and greatest king, King David. King David was Israel's greatest king. Through King David, God blessed Israel with all kinds of fruit, peace and prosperity, fame and fortune. But by the time Isaiah wrote these words, several centuries had passed since King David sat on the throne. Now his descendants were sitting on the throne. And from an outward perspective, things still looked pretty good. The nation still seemed to be strong and healthy. But there was a problem. There wasn't any fruit. At least not the fruit that God was looking for from his people. Instead of worshiping him with their whole hearts, they were worshiping other gods. They were constantly rebelling against the laws he had given them. And so through the prophet Isaiah, the Lord delivers this very unpleasant, unwelcome message, a message of judgment. He tells them that their nation and their capital city would be destroyed by invading armies. Jesse's tall, proud family tree would be reduced to nothing more than a stump. Every tree that doesn't bear fruit will be chopped down. And that isn't only true about the tree that Isaiah is talking about here. That's also true about the tree that is our lives. In today's gospel, you heard John the Baptist use very similar language to talk about us. He said, the axe is already at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down. Friends, just like trees, you and I are busy people. We've got a lot going on. God has given us a lot of time on this earth, and he's given us opportunity and ability to do all kinds of things. And so we very easily become very busy people. And yet, just like a tree, it it really is supposed to all serve one purpose, the purpose of producing fruit, the fruit that God desires, to love him above all things, to love our neighbor as ourselves. That's the fruit that God wants to see, coming forth from all of those branches of our busyness in our lives. 
But the question is, when God looks at the fruit that is being produced, what does he actually see? If God compares the fruit that he expects and the fruit that he actually sees, what does he conclude? Again, John's message is simple, that every tree that does not produce fruit will be cut down. Thankfully, there's good news. Again, it's not easy news. It's very difficult and painful news. But it's still good news. This is why John came proclaiming the message that he did. He came telling people to repent. Lots of times when we think about that idea of repentance, we think that to repent means to stop sinning. Certainly that can be a part of what it means to repent. But really, first and foremost, repentance means something else. It doesn't mean to stop sinning. It means to stop working. It means to look at our lives, to look at the fruit that God expects us to be bearing, to look at the fruit that is actually coming forth out of our lives, and to come to the real and honest conclusion that they are not the same thing. In fact, to look at our lives and realize that no matter what we do, no matter how hard we try, we simply cannot produce the fruit God desires to see. We could become the busiest people in all the world and and not busy at producing the fruit that the world wants to see, but busy producing the fruit that God wants to see and still it wouldn't matter. To repent simply means to come to that honest and accurate realization about ourselves. To repent means to stop trying to do what cannot be done. And really you could say that what we are doing when we repent is we are taking the tree that is our lives We are taking all of our best efforts, all of our good intentions, all of the willpower that we might summon up, and we are taking that tree and we are chopping it down now before God chops it down later. Okay, so where does that leave us? On the one hand, the idea that we would just stop working kind of sounds appealing, doesn't it? I mean, if someone were to tell you right now that from today, all the way until December 25th, there's not a single thing that you need to do. Sit down, put your feet up, do not lift a finger from now until Christmas. That sounds pretty appealing, right? But immediately you would wonder to yourself, well, what about the shopping and what about the wrapping and the cooking and the cleaning and getting everything else ready? If we don't do work, how is anything going to get done? Well, thankfully, through the prophet Isaiah, God doesn't just tell us that every tree that doesn't bear fruit will be chopped down. He also tells us that what has been chopped down is going to bear fruit. Yes, Isaiah's, or I'm sorry, Jesse's tall and proud family tree was going to be reduced to nothing more than a stump. But in that very place, in that most unlikely location... God was going to deliver on a promise. From that lifeless stump, out of what seemed like nothing but death, life would come. A branch would sprout up. And not only would that branch sprout, but it would grow. And not only would it grow, but it would bear fruit. And lots of it. The fruit that Isaiah talks about in these verses is actually the very same fruit that we talked about last week. Two things in particular. Isaiah mentions justice and he mentions peace. In other words, the broken relationship between earth and heaven would be restored. Justice. And as a result of that restored relationship, all of the broken relationships that exist on earth would also be restored. Peace. Last week we talked about the peace that primarily would come between people 
of the earth, between people and other people. Isaiah, in these verses, seems to take things actually a, a step further, and he talks about the peace that would come between people and the rest of creation. Peace between predators and prey. Peace between carnivores and herbivores. Children playing together with cobras. Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria! That was for all of the Ghostbusters fans in the room. I don't know if there are any or not. But peace, justice and peace are the blessings that God promises through this branch. And you can maybe figure out that the branch that Isaiah is talking about is our Savior Jesus Christ. He would sprout up from the lifeless stump of Jesse's family tree and he would bring fruit not just for a few people, not just for a lot of people, but for all people. Isaiah pictures this branch being held up high, sort of like a banner that people from all nations on earth come together and rally around. Yes, what does not bear fruit will be chopped down. That's very predictable. But unpredictably, God promises that what has been chopped down will, in fact, bear fruit. And again, this isn't just true of the family tree that Isaiah is talking about in these verses. It's also true of the tree that is our lives. This is how God works with us as well. So here we are. We've come to the very wise, very accurate, very honest conclusion that we simply cannot produce the fruit that God desires. We've taken that tree and we've chopped it down to the ground. Now what? What could God possibly bring out of that lifeless dead stump? Well, that's exactly where God intervenes with his gracious promises, exactly as he did with Jesse's family tree. When it comes to that blessing of justice, we could, if we wanted, I suppose, continue to bring to God our rotten, our spoiled, our small, inadequate fruit and and hold it before him. To a certain degree from the outside, it it looks pretty good. We could tell God what we often tell ourselves, which is that it's pretty good. It's, It's the best we can do. It's better than it could be if we didn't try. It's better than the fruit that other people are producing. Hint, hint, person sitting next to me right now. But Isaiah tells us that God doesn't judge by what he sees. God doesn't judge by what he hears. He judges by what is true. And when it comes to God judging the truth of this fruit that we might bring before him, that truth will most certainly hurt. In contrast, Isaiah says that people who come before him empty-handed, people who come knowing that they have nothing to offer to God, people who come as poor and needy looking only to receive, they do in fact receive this wonderful fruit of justice. They receive a righteousness before God that is not of their own doing, but one that comes from Jesus Christ. The perfect righteousness that was hanging from every single branch that was his life, that gets given to us as a free gift and treated by God as if it were our own. Repent and receive justice. All of the fruit, none of the work. And again, along with that fruit of justice comes the fruit of peace. Now, I feel like I should mention that the peace that Isaiah talks about in these verses, this peace between people and creatures, won't be fully realized this side of heaven. In other words, just to make sure, just to cover my bases, it would not be a good idea for you after the service today to go over to the zoo lights at the zoo in Madison this evening, find the lion exhibit, hop the fence, and go and try and pet that big guy. It's not going to be a good idea. It's not going to work. There will always remain a tension between human beings, and the animal kingdom. 
But we do get a little bit of a foretaste of the peace that this branch brings in our relationships with one another. If I have, in fact, repented, if I have, in fact, wisely and correctly looked at the fruit that I bring, realized that it cannot possibly live up to God's standards, if I have, in fact, taken that tree and chopped it down to the ground as low as it could possibly go, do you know what I cannot possibly do in my interactions with other people? I cannot possibly think that I am better than anyone else, that I am superior to them. How can I? I I know the truth about me. But if, on the other hand, I also know that from that lifeless stump, God has caused a branch to grow. If I know that God has given me for free fruit that is better than anything I myself could produce, if I know that he's already made me his child and adopted me into his family, if I know that he invites me to have a place at his table, already now and for an eternity in heaven. If I know that I've already received those gifts, do you know what else I can't possibly do in my interactions with other people? I can't possibly have a chip on my shoulder. I can't possibly feel inferior to anyone else. I can't possibly resent anyone else for what I think they have that I don't. Repent and you will have the wonderful fruit of peace. All of the fruit, none of the work. You know, I said something before that I think I need to go back and correct, or at the very least add on to. I said that the whole purpose of a fruit tree is to produce fruit. And that's certainly true, but we might say one more thing. Trees are certainly good for other things than producing fruit. For example, one of the things that trees are best for is providing rest. We don't often think that way. If it's hot outside, we have the luxury of being able to to hunker down inside in the comfort of our air-conditioned homes. But in previous eras, you can imagine that on hot, sweltering days, what what a welcome thing a tree would be. A tree provides shade from the sun. A tree provides relief from the heat. And so it's no wonder that Isaiah describes this wonderful, all of these wonderful blessings that God would bring, that Jesus would bring as a tree. It produces both fruit and also rest. All of the reward, none of the work. All of the fruit, none of the labor. That won't work in any other area of your life, rest assured. For the rest of December, December, go out and be as busy as you want to be. Work yourself to the bone. Be tired and stressed out all the time. Go ahead and do all of those things. Just don't do it for the wrong fruit. Don't do it because you are trying to prove something to God. Don't do it because you are trying to prove something to someone else. Instead, enjoy the justice and enjoy the peace that God provides without any of that work. In fact, join all of these nations that Isaiah pictures who are streaming to this branch that has sprouted up from Jesse's fallen stump. Join them in seeking refuge underneath this tree. And enjoy the fruit and enjoy the rest. Amen.